Children, it's good to have you here with us this morning. Always a, always a pleasure to have you all here. For those of you who are taking outlines, as usual, the pastor's treasure box will be out in the, out in the front. Turn over, if you would, in your Bibles, or look up on the screen, whichever you prefer. We're going to be over in John chapter 4 today. John chapter 4. We're looking at a series here on how to, how to pull some things out of the people that are around us, and also to get what God has put in us to come out. There's many things that God has put in us just by the very presence of His Spirit that we don't quite access, that, that God wants us to do. To illustrate that, there's a, there was a story of a, a husband and wife, and they had some new neighbors, or they had just moved into the house, and they had some neighbors, and as they were in this house, and they were looking out, and they saw there was a woman hanging her laundry up to dry. How many people still hang up the laundry to dry? I hang up some things, but I don't hang up everything. But they were out there hanging the laundry up to dry, and this woman said, Well, you look at that poor woman. She doesn't know how to do laundry right. Somebody should teach her how to do laundry. Or maybe check on the soap that she's using. Because her, her laundry is still dirty. And it went on like this for about a month. Every time that the woman came out and hung up her, her laundry, the woman would talk to her husband and she would say, look at that poor woman. Someone needs to teach her how to do laundry. Her laundry is still dirty. Maybe she's not using the right kind of soap. And just, this went on quite a while. Finally, after about a month, she came down and she looked out the window and she saw the laundry was clean. And she said, wow, who is it that went over next door and taught her how to do laundry? Who is it that checked on the soap that she was using? Who went next door and helped that woman out? And the husband, he got up from his chair and he came over to his wife and he says, I got up early and cleaned the window. <laughs> See, some of the things we're looking at going on with other people are actually going on with us. We haven't cleaned our windows recently. And everything I see about other people is because my windows aren't clean. There's a verse of scripture in Proverbs. I wrote this in your outline. You didn't have to look it up at all. But Proverbs 20 and verse 5. Counsel in the heart of man is like deep water. But a man of understanding will draw it out. Now if you look at a number of translations, most of the translations I saw use this word counsel. Some of them use the word plan. And we're going to get more into this verse of Scripture as we get on down the road. Where we're going to take it from, the, from counsel. Do you know that down in your spirit, you have the Holy Spirit? Who is... You, I'm sorry, Brother Keithy. You can, you can set that um, anywhere here on the stage or on the, on the podium. Thank you for bringing that out. He was helping me out with some, some things. Brother Keith is doing so much for our first hour and 
making sure everything is running smoothly. I'll tell you, it sure helps me out a whole lot having, having those things going on. But see, there's some things down on the inside that God has put there because the counsel of God is there. If the Holy Spirit is present in your life, God's counsel is in, inside of you. But you've got to be able to bring it out. Many people are standing in prayer. Oh God, I need to know this. Oh God, I need this. And the answer is down on the inside. We just don't know how to bring it out. We're going to take a look at this verse of Scripture. Very familiar story to you all. In John chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee, but he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Now, the unfortunate part about a written word of God is that you don't get all the voice inflection. Sometimes, you know, people can come up to you and they can say the same thing. They can say, oh, what a nice dress. Or they can say, what a nice dress. All right, and we, we said the same thing, but we communicated something different. So we can't always tell exactly what that is, but we can get some of the makeup from the rest of the story that this woman is um, not real thrilled that there was a Jewish man at the well. And did, probably did not say this in the, in the nicest of ways. There's a lot of the sarcasm or cynicism. Something's going on there with this. I'm sure, you know, just imagine being the woman. She's coming up to the well at an hour that no one's supposed to be there because people don't go out at this hour to get water. You go earlier, you go later. You don't go when it's hot. But she did because she wanted to, of course, be alone. We've talked about that before. So she's coming up to the well and she sees that there's someone there. And then she can kind of figure out this person is there is a Jewish person. Jewish people don't like Samaritans. Thereby, Samaritans don't like Jewish people. And so she's thinking about what's going to transpire when she gets to the well. What's he going to do? What's he going to say? Is he going to figure out why I'm coming here at this hour? You're going to have some nasty thing to say about me? She's wondering about all these things. Comes up to the well and she gets over there and she she looks at Jesus and Jesus says, give me a drink. Now, if we were there and we were Jesus, we may have prefaces with, please, may I have a drink? But apparently that's not what Jesus did. He came up and he said, give me a drink. Now, he may not have said it with sarcasm. He may have said it with a very loving voice. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I would imagine that from me and Jesus. But anyway, she, um, she says, how are you asking me f- for a drink? You're a Jew. You are too good for us. You have nothing to do with, with our kind. <laughs> Samaritans. 
And this is the this is how this this whole thing started. How many have high hopes for this going anywhere? Probably not real real good the way we're we're looking at this. And just to help us with this, since we have some of the the children here, I brought some things over here that will will, will help us with that. And um, I'm hoping that some folks here will will like some of these things. We have. Um, just a few, a few drinks. I guess I'll put them up over here so that you can see them. Most of the kids are over on this side anyway. So you, you can see some of the things we have. And of course, you know, it's me. So we have Diet Coke represented. We have many different things up here for you to drink. Some people might even like one of these. All right, you guys. Anybody find anything up there that they like? Is that right? <laughs> you, you're the Dr. Pepper? Come on up here. You can put your notes down for a minute. You're going to pick the Dr. Pepper? All right. Just hang on to that for just a minute. Uh, anybody else? Find something else over there. Which one did you like? The Which one? The Diet Coke? Are you a Diet Coke fan? But you'll, you'll go for that? Okay, come on. Come on up. Oh, you, just come on up here and stand right over here. You're going to st- you can stand right over here too. We're going to have you do something with this. All right, we've got two more left. Anybody else? Come on. Which one do you like? Lemonade. Lemonade. There we go. And we have one more. And anybody? That is the... Who's, who's going to do it? All right, come on, praise. All right. So... um Here's what I want you to do. Come on up. I want you to, to just open them up and just have a sip. Yes, I wouldn't shake up the sodas, but the other ones are probably a good idea to shake up. You shake up the sodas, it could get messy. Go ahead, have it. Just have a sip. How's that taste? Is it? Is it not what you expected? No, it's not. What did you expect when you opened that? Sweeter. You expected it to be sweeter? Did, how was yours? Was yours what you expected? No. And now? What did you expect it to taste like? A little more lemonade. A little more lemonade. Okay. How about, uh, how about the Diet Coke? How did that taste? It tasted normal. Tasted normal? All right. How about yours? How did it taste? Different. Tasted different? It didn't taste? Sweeter. Yeah. The problem with that was we took the Dr. Pepper out of there and we put it in there. <laughs> and we would... We put the Diet Coke in that bottle right there. And the coconut water is in the, is in the lemonade, and the lemonade is in the coconut water. <laughs> All right, you can either keep those or whatever. The reason we did that is that... <laughs> the reason we did that is that it's very easy to look at the surface and decide what something is. And never, never get down inside to find out what's actually there. That sometimes we meet people and we decide whether we like them or not. Whether they're okay. Sometimes we do it because of the color of their skin. Sometimes we do it because of the clothes that they wear. The way they do their hair. The kind of car they drove. The way they talk. And a lot of times we can make judgments on, on people just on these surface things and never realize the down on the inside might be something that we really like. 
there might be something there that's worthwhile. Don't, don't lose sight of what's deep down because of what's on the surface. So we call this series how to, how to get under the surface. How to, how to get beyond what is just surface to find out what is deep down. And here in this particular story, Jesus is having a conversation with this woman. And this woman is dealing with this conversation very surface. You're a Jew. Because you're a Jew, you don't like me. And I'm going to respond to you in that way. But Jesus says something different in mind. So we're going to look at how Jesus handles this in this particular story. Let's, um, let's go over some of these things. First off, he says, they give, give me a drink. Notice this. I put this note in. This, is, this comes from many, many years ago. I gave you these, these same things about this. But Jesus and the Father always seem to ask for things from people. You ever notice that? Jesus is always asking for something from people. The Father's always asking for something. Always asking for things. And the reason for it is this. This gives them an opportunity to be generous with their stuff. So that God can be generous with His stuff. So see, Jesus will come and will ask you to be generous with what you got so that He can be generous with what He has. But if you close it up and you say right off the bat, uh-uh, not going to do it. Then you shut off God from being able to do things. You don't want to do that. Don't ever write people off. Just because they dress different, just because they talk different, doesn't mean you can't have fun with them. Doesn't mean you can't enjoy, or that you cannot minister to them in, in some way. And um, it just it just blesses your life. It helps you out. I make sure wherever I go, how many of you go to, to the Lowe's, uh, places like that, and ask for help? Yeah. You know, some people go into those stores and don't ask for help. Mm-hmm. Ah, I'm all right. I don't need any help. No, yes for yes for help, and uh, whenever we ask for help, you know I uh, I like to strike up conversations with them, and and talk to them about things, and especially because there's some things I go into Lowe's for, and I need a lot of help, and I'm taking their time for quite a bit, especially when I go in there and cut the bunky boards for the MDF and stuff. I'm in there; it takes me an hour to to get it all done, and so um, and sometimes uh, they're always teasing me. They run and hide when they see me coming in. <laughs> they don't really mean it because they all seem to jump out there. But um, I do most of the work for the cutting of the thing. Anyway, they just got to pull the saw down and, and stuff like that. But they had a new guy. And actually, it was a new a new lady was in there. Uh, they don't usually have the ladies in the pro department. She was trained on the saw. She was working the saw. So we started off with her. And we're having a conversation about some things. And then all of a sudden, she's uh, another gentleman came on over. And she said, don't you need to get out of here? And she says, yeah, I need to go pick up my kids. So she left and picked up the kids. And so this new guy came over. His name was Will. Will is a big guy. I mean, he's, he's big. He is bigger than me in all directions. <laughs> he's just a big guy. Uh, but just fun. And so we, uh, I said, we said, Will, you're new here. I, she was new too. I said the same thing to her. But, uh, Will and I, we got more of a conversation. We're talking, we're having, having a good time with some things and just, just chatting about stuff. And, and you know, everybody always asks me, what do you use these things for? Because nobody else beside me comes in and pulls off 10, 12, 15 sheets of these things, takes them on over by the saw, and gets them cut. Nobody does that. What do you use all these for? 
I said, well, I use them in the bunk beds. You make bunk beds? And we have a conversation about that. And, and so Will and I, we were talking about all kinds of things. We were talking about his daughter. And, and uh, apparently she had just had a birthday. And so I said, he said, do you need help loading that in the truck? I said, sure, I'll take some help. So he came on out there after he got done some things. And he was helping me load it in there. And he says, uh, he says you know, I think I need a bunk bed for my daughter. It's her birthday. And I think I wanted to get her one of those. But I was looking around. I couldn't find anything that was good. And so we, we chatted a little bit about that. And, and then um, a few days later, he called me up and says, yeah, I think we're going to order one. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just having a conversation. Just having, uh, you know, that you can bless them and they can bless you. And but this is one of the things he said to me. He says, uh, he says yeah, remember me from, uh, sure, Will, I remember you. And he says, yeah, yeah, well, we were talking. He said, and I felt like we had, uh, we had a chemistry between us. I said, I felt that too. I enjoyed you. <laughs> Just always have fun with people. But we're going to learn some things, some reasons why you should always have fun with people. Why you should always not come at them like the woman came to the well. Don't come at it that way. You've got to change the way that you do it. Now let's look at how Jesus deals with this, this situation. Now understand, she says, why do you ask for a drink for me, a Samaritan? She does not look down on herself for being a Samaritan. But she expects that Jesus does. Have you ever had a quality or trait about you that you expect other people don't like, but you're just fine with it? Yep. But you kind of know, well, if I go on in there and, you know, I tell people what I, what I like, what I do, well, they're not going to take to that too well. Let's go on here, verse 10. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. So right off the bat, he's saying, man, you don't know who you're talking to. Now, now you can phrase this in different ways. How many of y'all know you, you watch the TV and you, you see somebody come up and, you know, a police officer pulls them over or um, something goes on and they, they don't feel like they deserve this kind of treatment. And they'll say this, do you know who I am? Because who they am is supposed to excuse them from whatever it is that you're trying to do or to get something for them that they, that they particularly wanted. Do you know who I am? Uh, no, I have no idea who you are. Should it matter? I don't know. That's kind of like what Jesus is saying. If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Do you remember when we went over this story back when we were talking about how to get, ask God questions? Here's one of the things that we, we told you about that that I learned in, in looking at this story. Many times we don't ask God for the things he could give us simply because we don't know. If I knew, I could ask. So I, my question for myself was, how much am I missing because I don't know who he is or what to ask? How much am I missing out on? He says, hey, if you knew, if you knew the gift of God, I mean, think about this. Would you go out and introduce yourself in, in a hey, I'm Jesus. I am a gift of God. <laughs> but isn't that what Jesus says? If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink. 
you would have asked Him and He would give you living water. Now understand the world doesn't know the gift of God. doesn't know who Jesus is or that He has living water to give. If they did, they would ask because He gives to all who ask. Now put this note in your, in your outline. Most people in the world hear spiritual principles naturally. They hear it just like this woman. Look at what she says. Verse 11. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Now we've, we, we're not accustomed to all the things that they used to have to do to get water. When we get water, what do we, what do we do if we want water? What do we do? That's all we gotta do. We turn on the faucet, the water comes out, or we go into the refrigerator and we get the water that's in there chilling. That's all we gotta do. That's not what these folks had to do. They had to make the long trip over to the well. It wasn't in their backyard. They had a, a well or two in the city, and you going out to the well, and then you had to bring your own bucket, your own container. You had to bring that with you. And then you'd have to attach it to a rope and lower that rope all the way down into the bottom of the well. How many folks remember a well? I mean, I mean a well that you lowered something down into, not a well that you had a pump in. A well that you actually lowered. There we go. We got one. Okay, over there. What do you call you? Is that, is that, are those fighting words? All right. <laughs> Those are fighting words. <laughs> See, some people still have a well today, but we got a pump down in there, and that pump does all the work for you, and it's on your property. And it pumps the water up, and you don't even know if you have well water or somebody else's water, because that pumps right there and just brings it right. But these folks, they had to go walking. Might have to go walking a, walking a mile. Go down to the to the well. Lower the container. And then... Bring the container up. It's a whole lot easier to go down than it is to come back up. Bring that container back on up. And then take that container, put it on their shoulder. Or whatever it is that they use to carry. Most times I see it, put it on their shoulder. And they carry that water into the, into the house. And if one container is all you can carry, and that's not enough for the house, you gotta go back. Then you do it again. Now, I wasn't around and we didn't have a, a well that we dropped something down into. But I did, I was around a few houses. Uh, there's uh, one particular family we used to visit all the time and they had some weird houses. I've told you about them before. They had some very cool, cool, the coolest houses with the coolest things going on. I mean, who, who has a train going in their backyard? That's cool. That, that was cool. I think I told you the story about that. We were out there playing and the and train came. But it's one of those things where it's submerged and you have to get yourself out. And we realized we couldn't extract ourselves before the train came. So we hugged the ground. Just held onto the ground, the sidewall, as the train went by us. And we were down there. Mom, when they had no idea. Moms were inside the house. They didn't know where the boys were. 
We were out there hugging the grass so that the train didn't suck us into the, into the thing. And then when the train went by, I probably shouldn't tell you this, we continued to play. We didn't, we didn't come out. We stayed down in there. We just uh, kept on going. But that's one of the houses. They had a house with uh, hay bales up, up in the top, and they made a maze out of the hay bales. And you could go around there and, uh, and have some fun. Hey, it's some really cool houses. But one of the places they had, they had this, and my aunt had this. Um, you'd go out and back in the yard, and they had a well, and you'd pump. And you'd pump, and you'd fill up something, and then you'd bring the water in. And then um, you come out and you pump some more until you got all the water that you needed. And you bring it on in the house. And th- that was work. That's not just turning on the, the faucet. These folks had to work to get their water. And Jesus says, give me a drink. Now, he's, he's just one guy. He's not going to be drinking a whole lot. But she says, he says, why are you asking me that? He says, well, if you knew who I was, you'd ask me for living water. Sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then do you get the living water? Now, if you want to get water out of a well, you must come with the appropriate equipment. You have to have the right tools in order to get the thing done. If you are going to draw out of your spirit or draw out of other people, you must have the right equipment. Most people try and draw out of their spirit or draw out of other people and don't have the right equipment. And you're just like this woman. The well is deep. You don't have it the container. How are you going to do this? How are you going to get this? Sir, you have nothing to draw with. The well is deep. Where then do you get the living water? Now, I don't know if they had a rope there. But they sure didn't have a container there. So either you had to bring the container or the container and the rope in order to get down there. You had to have a container that the rope could tie to. You had to, write, had to have the right stuff. Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. Again, spiritual truth, natural interpretation. See, when you talk to people in the world about things that you understand in the spirit, they're going to understand them in a natural way. And it can frustrate you. I'm not talking about that. Why are you still in this water thing? Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst, nor come here to draw. Yeah, make it easy for me. I don't have to come out here to the well at all. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. Now see, he's talking about supernatural principles and she's hearing it naturally. So what's he do? He steps into a supernatural area. Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You have well said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. In that you spoke truly. How many know that the world says, Well, just live together for a little while. What's God say? That's not husband. That's not a wife. He says, he says it right there. Don't think this whole thing of living together is new. They did it back then too. And what did Jesus say? It's not your husband. I don't care how long you've been living 
It's not your husband. I put this note in your, in your outline to make sure that you get a hold of this. Because I see a lot of abuses in this area. God will give natural insights into the lives of others for the purpose of bringing them to the light, not to condemnation. Have you ever had someone tap into the spirit, so they said, and got something and you felt condemned? That's not God. Is this not information that Jesus could have condemned somebody with? But he doesn't. Doesn't condemn her at all. If you get people that got the goods on you and used it to condemn you, either they got it by the wrong spirit or they used what God gave them the wrong way. You can know that for sure. Because nowhere in the Word of God does this, this happen. Now, there were times that people who were against God and against His people and were leading His people down a wrong path that supernatural intervention came in and, um, and pronounced judgment on those people. That, that came about. But not the condemnation thing. So anyway, let's go on with this. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. All right. In other words, let me tell you what she's saying. Look, this is a little uncomfortable for me to talk with you about. Let's change the subject. Let's go on to something else. That's kind of like today, you know, if you're talking about Jesus being the only way and, and uh, no other, other ways, they'll, they'll come up with an end times question. They feel, they feel safer on that. Well, do you think the world will really end in a year? Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain. And you Jews say <laughs> that in Jerusalem is the place where we ought to worship. I put this in your outline for you. You can write this one in. The world will ask questions whose answers give no light when they become uncomfortable. This question, not going to help anybody. There's no light coming from this. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship. For salvation is of the Jews. Now again, the inflection isn't here. You can say this in a very condemning way or you can say this in a very loving way. I'm pretty sure that Jesus said it in a very loving way because of the woman's response. But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I, who speak to you, am he. Now, how many people has Jesus ever identified himself as the Messiah to? So why does he identify himself with this Samaritan woman who came at him with sarcasm and put him in a category that basically said, you don't want to deal with me and I don't want to deal with you. Why does Jesus get to this spot? In the end here, what opened the door for this woman is what Jesus knew supernaturally about her. But also the way that Jesus handled it. He loved her. He acted lovingly toward her. He didn't condemn her. 
And she felt like he was there to help. At this point, his disciples came and they marveled that he talked with a woman, yet no one said, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? The woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city and said to the men, come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. Now, much has been made about this. She didn't go to the woman. She went to the men. She's more comfortable around them. The woman didn't like her. Well, she's already had five husbands. That means there's five people out there that either divorced her or, or something. So there's five women that are probably married to those men now. <laughs> and it is very possible that she didn't start those relationships in the best way. They may have been married. They may have uh, been betrothed. Some of them may have been going on. But she's already living with a person. There's nowhere in the Word of God that says that she had five husbands and one person that she lived with. She could have had ten people that she lived with. We don't know. But there was enough going on between her and the men that the women cast her out. Now, I don't know about about you folks, you know, and as I observe things, I have noticed that men and women are different. Men, men, if we have a battle, we have a battle. And then it's over. That's, that's pretty much it. Uh, if, if men want to insult you, they insult you. And then we go on. Women, you are all very different. You can get mad at someone and it be a fresh... It can be. Not, I'm not talking about you regenerated women, but gen, women in general... You can, you can get offended or hurt by somebody and it'd be like a fresh cut 20 years later. <laughs> Brother Hagin used to talk about, the, about that in some of his churches. He said, he's that woman, took over a church and a woman came to him and was describing a situation that happened between her and another. He, I'm, she came to him and says, I'm sure you're going to hear about this, so let me just tell you my side of the story. And she told him and he thought it just happened. <laughs> he thought like a couple days ago maybe. Maybe no more than a week. Hey, when did that happen, he asked her. Oh, that was 20 years ago. <laughs> mm. Woman can cut someone down. Another woman, not a man. But can cut another woman down and it sounds like a compliment to a man. What do you mean she was busting her? I th- she, she said how nice your dress looked. She did not say that. <laughs> So I know that stuff exists. I don't, I don't pick up on it at all, but I, I know that that's out there. So these women are treating her in this way, so she's not even going to them, she's just going to the men. I, there has to be more to this story though. Because if this woman is the type of woman that we think that she is, if she goes to the men and says, come see somebody who told me everything I did, most of them will probably say, I can tell you that. But somehow she communicated to them that this was supernatural. This guy didn't know me. I've never met him before. He's a Jew. He's not a Samaritan. He's not from our city. But yet he knew everything that I did. Hmm. Come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. So here's what we had. This woman came with sarcasm in the beginning and there was a wall up between her and Jesus. And within a very short period of time, and just a few sentences of discussion, 
this woman's walls came down and she received him as something more than just a Jewish man who didn't like her. She goes back into the city because she thought this is important for other people to see. It's not just as important for me. It's important for other people to see. One of the questions I asked myself when I was looking at this story again is, is this, why is Jesus at a well? Why is he there? Why do most people go to a well? Because they're thirsty? To get water? And yet Jesus is completely unprepared. Why is it that Jesus has no rope? No container? Nothing for which to draw the water. The disciples came. They came to the well. And I guess none of them had a container to draw water from. Maybe it's one of the things they went into the city to get. Hey, you know what? We need a pot for this well. Hey, but you go in the city and get that and get some food. All right, we'll, we'll go out there and we'll, we'll do that. And they're probably coming back. Yeah, just leave me here. When you get here, because they're probably all thirsty. They've been traveling a little while. They don't have water bottles to pick up at the little stands on the way. You only had what you carried. Why is Jesus at the well? Jesus probably says, guys, look, I've been ministering for a while. I'm kind of tired. How about you guys make the trip in? I don't know if Jesus even had said that. Maybe his disciples, I mean, it always seems like they're looking out for him. Maybe they just said, Jesus, look, we need to get some stuff to make this well work. So we're going to go into the city. We're going to buy some stuff and we'll get a container that we can lower down into the well and get some water. And then along came this woman. And the first thing he says is, give me a drink. Gives her an opportunity to give to him. But it must also have been a need on his part. But through the conversation, a change was brought about in this woman. And even, to, even on the part of Jesus, where Jesus shared something he very seldom shares with people, and even told his own disciples, don't tell anybody who I am. And yet Jesus did himself. So this woman changed her attitude toward Jesus. But what is it exactly that changed her? Now, if, if this woman came to you and you were Jesus, you were in Jesus' shoes, you're at the well, waiting for the disciples to come back with something to draw some water from, and this person came to you with sarcasm, how many of you would have written it off right then? Look, don't worry about it. I got my disciples coming. They're bringing a container. I will get a drink when they get here. Some of us might have even had some other words that we might have added just to get our point across, right? But Jesus got something else out of her. Was it worth spending the time to draw something else out of her? You see, if we went on and read the rest of the story, then you can do that. But if you go on and read the rest of the story, you'll find out that all these people came back to hear Jesus. And they came to the woman afterwards and said, we don't believe because of what you told us. We believe because we were here. We saw and we heard. And they asked Jesus, will you stay with us a few more days? And he stayed with them a few more days and taught them. Because they asked them. Was that worthwhile? Spending some time to get something else out of this woman? I put this in your outline for you. 
If people only find bitter water in us, will they keep drawing from you? If every time people come to you, they get bitter, bitter water, bitterness, sarcasm, anger, envy, jealousy. If they get these things from you, will they continue to come and to draw something out of you? No. How many of you, don't raise your hand, inside hands on this one. How many of you have had trouble at work in the neighborhood? Because people, they, they, they're not treating you nicely. I don't like the way they treat me. I don't like the way they speak to me. I don't like the, the things that are going on. And most of the time we say it's their fault. It's, it's their fault. They're this way. But if all I ever give them is bitter water, what am I doing? Jesus didn't give this woman bitter water. And he saw, even though I'm getting something not so good here in the beginning, he kept pressing in. We're going to find some better stuff in here. And he kept going. In essence, he kept drilling down. Let's get a little bit lower. Let's get on the inside here. Let's find out. And when this woman found out, here's a, here's a huge key, folks. When this woman found out that he did not judge her, but he accepted her, loved her, and cared for her well-being, it changed everything. Most of the reasons we get bitter water from people is because we, they don't know that we are looking out for their best, that we're trying to help them. They didn't know. John Maxwell used to always go around and say this. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Those words are wise words. Jesus, first off, had to sell this lady on the fact that he cared about her. And once she became convinced that he cared about her, she was more open to his words. Even to the point that she was open to hearing, hey, I'm the Messiah. Oh, wow. Now look at this, what she said. Now the woman left her water pot. The reason she left her water pot is you can make a faster trek back into town without it. She may have already filled it up. Understand, if she's sitting there talking to Jesus, what are you doing? If you came to the well to get water, and somebody wants to strike up a conversation that you don't want to be around, what are you doing? Exactly what you came there for, because you can't leave until you get it done. So she's probably lowered the pot down into the, in the thing, pulled the water up while she's talking, because I can't make my escape <laughs> until I get that water up. And she got the water pot back up and then set it down full. I can't carry this back. So we left it there. Come on back. Look at what she says. Come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Didn't Jesus say, I'm the guy. I'm, I'm the one. Either she's not convinced or she doesn't expect them to be. I don't know which it is. She may just not expect them to be convinced because she said this. 
Could this be the Christ? Make sure that when people come to you, they don't just get bitter water. If you're angry, upset, feeling put out all the time, people are going to say, I'm not coming to that well. I'll go to the other side of the city. Go to that one. Put this in your outline for you too. What harvest have we left behind in others? They had a huge harvest in this city simply because Jesus engaged in conversation a woman who met him with sarcasm. And he was able to pull something different out of her than what she was prepared to give. I think that's amazing. He was able to pull something else out of her than she was prepared to give. And then she went off and did something she was not prepared to do. Leave the water and go back into the city. Hmm. Come see a man who told me all the things I ever did. So here's a question we're going to end with here. How do we get what's under the surface? How do we get it? How do I get what's under the surface in other people? Which is what we're talking a lot about here today. How do I get what's under the surface on the inside of me? How do I get it? I'm not going to get all the answers here. We're, we're going to give you a little summary on this. How to get. Because if, if, if I know I should, if I know that it's, there's an ability to go into other people, and to pull something different out of them than what they're presenting with. How do I do it? How do I get that done? In Romans chapter 15, verse 13, Now, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus came into a, a, a place and they needed a miracle, what is it that pulled that miracle out of Jesus? What is it that got Jesus' attention? It was always faith. I have not found such great faith in all of Israel. This is, wow, look at, I mean, look at this. You don't need to come to my house. If I just touch the hem of his garment, these are things that got the attention of Jesus. But look at that verse. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. This is not a new principle. It was taught to me many, many, many years ago. I taught it to you many, many times before. Just going to review it. If you want to know if you are in faith, simply check your joy and peace. Because people that are in faith are in joy and peace. People that are not in faith are not in joy and don't have peace. You want to tell if somebody is, is in joy and peace? Here is a, uh, or here, here's a non-faith person coming to God and asking God for prayer. Well, God, I don't know how much longer I have to wait for this. I've been suffering and suffering and suffering. And I just don't think it's ever going to happen. But I, but God, please. Is that person in faith? I mean, joy is gone. Is there any peace? No. If you are devoid of joy and peace, it is simply telling you you're not in faith. 
But if the devil comes to you and says, when are you going to get healed of that? That thing's been bothering you for a long, long time. When are you going to get healed of that? I already am healed. Glory to God, I already received my healing. And I don't care what it is that I walk in in this body. I don't care what it is that I feel. Glory to God. <laughs> I am healed. At peace, full of joy. See, that's a faith person. You don't even have to have your confession is right if you got joy and peace going on. Or we got, I got some notes on this. We'll get into it sometime down the road. Do you know that in the Word of God, sometimes faith is future tense and sometimes it's past tense? How can the Word of God talk about faith in the past tense and also faith in the future tense? When most people, well, the reason you're not healed is because you're, you're not saying you got it. No, the reason folks were not walking in the healing we want is because we're not walking in the joy and the peace that we should. That's the indicator that you're not quite, uh, not quite there with that. Joy and peace. So we're going to be talking about some of these things. You want to pull out what is in other people. You need to be in joy and peace. Because it's faith that pulls out of God. And it's faith that pulls out of others. That will do it. You've got some people that are around you. God has put some people around you. And he has basically given you this commission. I need you. To pull out of them what they don't even know is there. And we get so hung up on how people say things. And how people do things. And how people dress. And how people talk. And what their car is that they drive. Or all these different things that we, we can come up with. We're focused on the wrong stuff. If God's giving you an assignment, put somebody in your life, it's your job to pull out of them what they may not even know is there. But we're not just looking at that. We're also going to be looking at how do you pull out of yourself what God has put inside? Because God has put counsel on the inside of you. God has put great things, great principles are on the inside of you. If you will simply seek after him for the understanding, it will change your life. So we're going to be spending some time on this. I don't know how much time. Maybe a short series. I sometimes think that it ends up not being. But as long as we see things in the Word, it will help us out with this. How do we pull things out of others? How do I pull things out of me? Because I'll tell you what. If you can begin to pull things out of other people, then the people around you are better and you will be better. Remember, David got 600, what kind of men? Dissatisfied, dysfunctional, distraught, poor. That's what he got. What did he do with them? He pulled out of them what they didn't even know they had. Because I guarantee you, if all 600 of those guys knew what kind of a warrior they could be, they would have not been wasting time with another occupation. But he saw something in them. He looked and he saw. And he said, I won't be satisfied 
until I pull that out of you. You got people in your life, folks. God's put people in your life. Pull out of them what they don't even know they have. Oh, I'll tell you what. God's, God's happy. You'll be happy. And they'll be happy. There's no losing side. No losing side at all. Would you all stand up with me? Father God, you have called us to minister, encourage, lift up, help those that are around us. Oh, Father, that's what we, that's what we want to do. We want to answer the call that you have put in our life. That the people that are around us give us vision for them. Help us to see, Father, what's down on the inside. Help us not to lose sight with those things that are on the surface. Any label that they slap on that container they got. Help us to get deep down. Find out what's on the inside. And pull those things out. And help them become the person that you want them to be. Oh, how favorable do you look upon your servants who do that for those that are in the body of Christ. What must your heart feel when you see your body finding those who are not quite there and helping them get there. Wow. What an honor it is. We look forward to learning more from your word on how we can do that. We thank you for it. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Got any comments, questions, or anything to add as we uh, go through these? Please put them over that way. Did you all enjoy your worship this, this morning? That was a nice full stage, wasn't it? It's great to have the, uh, the children jump up in there. And the children, these not children at all. They're, they're our young adults. They're, but did you notice that we had a special cameo appearance up on the stage? <laughs> Brother Victor was keeping his uh, particular gift um, quiet because he knew... <laughs> He, he knew we'd be making a demand on him, and he's got a lot of people making demands. So we're going to try not to make a demand on him until he's ready. But glory to God, it was nice seeing him up there. Apparently, what was it, a video? And some people saw the video. Brother Jolly put up a video, and he was there playing. And then, I don't know, I heard uh, Lisa and Nikolai, they saw it, and they kind of spread the news. And, <laughs> and the rest was history. <laughs> it was great to have him, have him up there. We had some uh, praise reports. I know I heard one from uh, Daryl. He said Alicia had one. She wasn't here to write down. She said she was, they were in a restaurant and they were just chatting with uh, the person they didn't know was the manager. And as they were chatting with the manager and he just uh, uh, enjoyed, you know, just enjoy people when you're out there. Just enjoy people. You never know what will come from it. And gave him a free meal. Gave, gave her a free meal or gave, gave her a free meal. Isn't that cool? Nice praise. He says, I want to thank God for already healing my eye. It gets better by the day. And even without full sight, I was, I was, um, able. <laughs> it's not your fault. You had the neatest penmanship. <laughs> I was able to move, uh, to, to make the record, record marks. Record books. See, that is an M. The record books for, for hurdles yesterday. I heard that you were out there doing them. 
That was not a great day for doing hurdles. That was, that was a bad day, actually, for doing hurdles. He has a track record, too? The people are telling on you. What was that in? Those, yeah, that is that is something. Wow, that is a pure speed race right there. Those things, and, and you're doing hundred meter hurdles, right? Or no, uh, your your sister. Yeah, yeah, she does hurdles. Those things are are tough. I told her I I know I'm a little bit about them, and I know to have great respect for the event. You get your steps off a little bit, it's over. It don't it don't worry. Is that all we have for the the praise reports? Moms, it's so great to have you here today. We have one more event we had to um, go over. I couldn't get into the bulletin, so I figured we would talk to you about it here at the um, at the, the end of the service. Um, but moms, before you get out of here, we have uh, uh, some flowers for you to carry around. Tell everybody, hey, I'm a mom. I was blessing people all my life, and I just want to get recognition for that. So that's going on. We have, um, of course, the paint night on Friday, men's breakfast on Saturday, and then Saturday afternoon we have another event that I couldn't fit in the... Um, uh, the bullets in there, so we're going to come up here. You want to come up and tell us uh, about that and anything more about the paint night that you want to do? We have a...